Ok. It's the Opperman Report. Join digital forensic investigator and PI Ed Opperman for an in-depth discussion of conspiracy theories, strategy of New World Order resistance, high-profile court cases in the news, and interviews with expert guests and authors on these topics and more. It's the Opperman Report. And now, here is investigator Ed Opperman. Okay, welcome to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator Ed Opperman, and this show is brought to you by emailrevealer.com. And you can go to emailrevealer.com and get a copy, an autographed copy of my book, How to Become a Successful Private Investigator. Uh, all kinds of, even if you don't want to become a PI, there's a lot of great tips and tricks in there. There's a, there's a biography of my life in the first chapter, it's an it's a, a abbreviated version. Uh, but also, there's a lot of tips and tricks in there on how to locate people, how to hire a PI, a lot of stuff, uh, how to understand, if, if, even if you just, you know, you're kind of do-it-yourself kind of researcher kind of guy, and you use these online databases and stuff like that with, that involve credit headers and stuff, it explains to you, and, and criminal record searches and stuff, you know, it explains to you how what, what this data really means and how to utilize it and how to get your best uh, um, value from it. I actually have my own website. Emailrevealer.com is my website. And we do locates, those instant people searches and instant background checks and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people want to do it themselves, you know, and become, you know, and they think they can do it themselves going through these different database searches and stuff like that. So this kind of explains to you the limitations to it and, uh, and, and how it works. In in the book, how to become a successful private investigator. So it's not just for people who want to become a PI. Also, to an email revealer.com, all kind of services like uh, background checks and asset searches, and uh, how to catch uh, your spouse cheating online, an online infidelity investigation where you give us their email address, we trace it back to online dating websites. Okay, so I want to apologize, you know, for people that are listening. Uh, on some of the live stations, we had to restart there, and that's why, because uh, um, I have to do a another version here that we sent out to all the syndicated stations, which is why you heard me do the intro twice. <laughs> okay, but anyway, here we are. Okay. Coming up tomorrow, I got a show with the, uh, Dr. Lori Handrahan about her book, Epidemic. America's Trade in Child Porn. And uh, it's a two-hour show. And it went out live Thursday morning. It's going to be going out again uh, tomorrow night. I really like Lori. I like her book. And I enjoyed the interview. Um, there's a lot of great information in there uh, that I think people will appreciate. It's a very serious topic as usual, you know. Um, depressing topic. But I think we handle it in a, in a good way that's uh, entertaining for the audience as well. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, so she didn't make it for the first hour. So I kind of filled in that time uh, talking about different cases I've worked on and uh, different investigations I've done for the radio show. Uh, so you can catch that there. That'll be uh, live tomorrow on American Freedom Radio and all the stations you're listening to me on right now who play the show on Friday on uh, 
Saturday nights. And then it'll be on KYAH AM radio, 5.40 AM on uh, Sunday night. So keep an eye out for that show. If you listen to uh, tonight's previous show with uh, Scott Schwartz, I want to apologize again to Scott if I kept calling him Schultz. I don't know what happened there. I, you know, I had that name Schultz stuck in my head, and I couldn't get rid of it, even though I had written down in big, large letters on my notes, uh, Schwartz, Scott Schwartz, uh, who was in the toy, and he was in the, uh, a Christmas story, the kid who got his tongue stuck to that pole. Very iconic figure in, in, in American history, this guy. Anyway, he shared his opinions and his uh, first-hand information about the Corey Feldman and Corey Haim case. I have another interview coming out on that, uh, which has already been released, by the way. Not with my permission or authorization, but it's been released. Uh, with Mara Moon, I interviewed her. Uh, she was one of Corey Haim's, Corey's angels. She was in the band, and she has, um, she has all kind of information she wants to share with you uh, that will take this story to another level. As you know, I've been uh, dealing with this story and these, uh, this situation for about a month now. And I think I'm done with it. Okay. Uh, I've interviewed um, Scott Schwartz at length. Um, I interviewed Mara Moon who lived with them. She lived over there at Corey Feldman's house and she traveled in their band bus and all that stuff like that uh, at length. I have one hour with her and I've talked to a bunch of people. Uh, Corey Haim's mother, Judy Haim. I've spent many, many hours on the phone with her and back and forth with emails and, uh, and text messages and some other uh, former Corey's angels and roommates or whatever these people are. Um, and others who are like peripheral people involved with this story. And uh, several lengthy email exchanges with people involved in all this. I've contacted Corey Feldman. If Corey Feldman wants to come and give his side, you know, I've, I've contacted him through Twitter and email several times. Uh, Corey, if you're listening, I know, and I know, I know you've listened to the, to the shows. Um, and I know you're seeing my messages to you. So if you want to give your side of the story, I'm happy to have you on. Uh, what I'll say here, uh, finally, is uh, I've done some shows about this topic in the past, okay, from open source information, from Corey's book, from news sources and stuff like that, um, and I've done some shows about that. Uh, then I was contacted by Corey Haim's mother to assist her in, in uh, protecting her rights. And in uh, and, and the capacity as a private investigator. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about any of that. that and, and as far as I'm concerned, that's all confidential. Uh, but then we also discussed doing an interview, and she's put me in touch with other people to do interviews. And how I want to leave this off is just with the, 
But after dealing with this for, for a month or two now and, and, and my work on this in the past, what I would say to people out there is that uh, take everything you hear with a grain of salt. On both sides. Uh, everything you're reading, everything you're seeing on TV, all this chatter going back and forth on Twitter and all this stuff like that is orchestrated. Um, and it's a uh, there's a lot more going on to this than is being presented in the public. Okay, even even the negative things and the positive things. There's a lot more going on with all this, um, and um, I have a very bad taste in my mouth with with everyone involved. To be honest with you. Uh, and the way the situation stands right now, I don't think the entire truth will ever come out uh, the way things are, are being run right now. The, the way things are being orchestrated right now, the way this story is being orchestrated. Um, there are people behind the scenes that are controlling this story uh, that are unnamed figures uh, who have an influence over all of this. And there's an agenda going on. I'll say that. And... Uh, and that's about it, okay. With Corey Feldman and Corey Haim and all, and the whole bunch of angels and fallen angels and characters and and uh, the whole drama scene, <laughs> that whole soap opera. I'm done. I am done with it. And so tomorrow, like I said, we have a uh, Doctor Lori Handrahan, PhD, talking about her book. Uh, epidemic America's trade and child rape. Thank you so much. Okay, got some good news for you. Uh, I did finally buy a car. Okay, I went out shopping. I've been working. I've been going twenty four seven the past uh, few days because the car I've been looking at and negotiating for is all the way at the other end of town. It's a half hour drive in good traffic, you know, so I've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and I gotta go finally pick it up tomorrow, it's all paid for, it's all done, paperwork's done, just gotta get my butt over there tomorrow and pick it up, and then I got a nice, uh, got a great deal, it's a very nice car, okay, name of the show tonight is Mr. Ed, <laughs> Wilbur Ross, and the source is Satan, of course, of course. Okay. You know, as you may know or may not know, my name is Ed Opperman. And uh, so when I was a kid growing up, lucky me, uh, growing up in the Bronx and then Staten Island, uh, there was a TV show on TV called Mr. Ed. So all throughout my life, uh, I've had the pleasure of... <laughs> Of people making Mr. Ed jokes. Mr. Ed was a talking horse on a TV show. <laughs> oh, boy, I tell you, you know, people, uh, they, they write in these, <laughs> I see these comments people write about the show, or people will send me emails, and one of the things they'll say is, oh boy, you know, when Ed's depressed, the show can be such a downer. <laughs> you know, when Ed comes on and he's depressed, you know, so I'm in a good mood. I got a new car, you know. <laughs> Things they got a lot of shows in the can. We're adding new stations galore. We got this great new station up there in Utah. We got a new station coming up in in Florida, which will be on there. Like I could I could do it anytime I want. We're on. Just trying to get things going. 
So, but I'm in a happy mood. Believe it or not, uh, especially since right before, I, when I, at five o'clock when I was playing the earlier show, I got a call from a potential client who was screaming into the phone with this volume going on and on and on. Oh my God, what, are, what this problem she has with her case, she wants me to come solve her problem. You know, just, and you can't keep them on track. If people could hear this kind of stuff that I got to deal with. But anyway, I'm in a good mood tonight. This is my point. Okay, and we're doing a fun show about Mr. Ed. Now, Mr. Ed was a, was a black and white TV show. I guess back in the 60s, right? It was black and white. But they played the repeats for years and years and years. He was a talking horse. And uh, his owner was this, was this guy named Wilbur Mills. Wilbur. Hey, Wilbur. Right? And a very fascinating, you know, it was a fun TV show. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny because Wilbur, in, in one of the earlier shows, Wilbur asked Mr. Ed, he says, well, well, how is it you have the, the power of speech? And Mr. Ed tells him, oh, don't even question it. It's bigger than both of us, Wilbur. <laughs> don't ask. It's bigger than both of us. Oh, no. But one of the, the odd things about all this, in this story of Mr. Ed and stuff like that, is that um, there was this like urban legend, I guess you could call it, that if you took the Mr. Ed theme song and you played it in reverse, <laughs> okay, remember how like with the Beatles, if you play the songs in reverse, you're I buried Paul, I buried Paul. You know, and, and you know, the, the Beatles denied he did that. But then it turned out later on that there's recordings of um, Paul McCartney talking about he, how he and uh, William F. William S. Burroughs, is it William Burroughs, were, were playing with that kind of uh, technique of playing things backwards. Yeah, William S. Burroughs, an interesting character. Look him up. Uh, so there was a theory... That if you played the theme song backwards. Now, this was a theory that was uh, promoted by a guy, a reverend here. What's his name? What's going on here? A preacher named Jim Brown from Ohio in 1986 said that the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Mr. Ed song contains satanic messages if you played it in reverse, right? And uh, it's kind of funny because it does um, sync up. If you've ever heard the song, right? It goes, a horse is a horse, of course, of course, and nothing but a, a horse, of course. If it's a horse, the talking horse, the famous Mr. Ed. And at, at one point it says, and listen to this. And right at that point where it says, and listen to this, there's all kinds of stuff in there where it says, you know, someone sung this song for Satan and uh, the, the source is Satan. The, you know, anyway, I'm going to play that for you now. And you can listen for yourself. And see, you know, I'll, uh, my, my, my production techniques have really improved <laughs> since I started this show. So now I'm going to be able to play this song for you in reverse. I'm going to play for you the Mr. Ed uh, theme song in reverse. Coming right up. Here it goes. Mr. 
Well, there it is. Did you hear it? <laughs> Did you hear it? Huh? I don't know. A lot of stuff in there. Now, <laughs> we don't skimp on production skills here at the Opperman Report. But there you, there you have it. I played it for you in reverse. And I got to tell you something, too. You know, I had a little uh, involvement with that character, uh, John David Oates, with his reverse speech technology, you know. And I'm of the opinion that if you're sitting around listening to these uh, recordings in reverse all day long, trying to hear hidden messages, it can make you go crazy. And I think I witnessed that firsthand with a couple of people, <laughs> okay, with the David John David Oates crew over there playing this stuff backwards and forwards all the time. Uh, but there you have it. Mister Ed played backwards, uh, had satanic messages in it, according to these people. Uh, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Uh, but if you look at all this, right? What's going on here? Okay. Give me one second here. Sorry. Gonna. Hey, I'm really tired. I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning every day. There we go. Get rid of that. There we go. Sorry about that. It's just some little uh, technical stuff here i got to deal with. What's going on? Remove. Okay. All right. So there was this theory that there were satanic images there in the Mr. Ed theme song, right? Now, I looked into this a bit, and the, the, the part of the song in, in forwards where the guy sings, I am Mr. Red. Now, that's a different voice than the guy who did the voice for Mr. Red, the talking horse. Uh, and it's the guy who wrote the song. Let me see what this guy's name is. The theme song. Uh, Jay Livingston and Ray Evans were the co-writers of this song. And Ray Evans, no, 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 Livingston sung that part. Where it says, I am Mr. Ed. Right? But if you look at these two guys, and I, I says, well, do these guys have any kind of satanic background? This guy, Ray Evans, wrote like 700 of these TV theme songs. So if there was a guy with enough savvy and skill to, to, to backmaster in and reverse engineer all this kind of stuff, this guy would be capable of doing it for, for sure. Now, is there other, any other satanic connection to this, uh, Mr. Ed? Okay, I've looked into this. I'm a professional investigator. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. This is what I've dedicated my life to. And what I found is there is kind of a little uh, connection here, guys. To what? To the Process Church, right? Oh, ba-da-boom. Process Church. Okay. 
And uh, how is that? Okay. They were going to do a remake of this show with Sherman Hemsley uh, from uh, the Jeffersons, right? George Jefferson. And he was going to be the voice of Mr. Ed. Now, that's interesting. Why would they pick him? Now, why do I say, why, how does that have a satanic connection? Well, did you know that Sherman Hemsley was one of the guys who used to travel around in the Roy Radin vaudeville roadshow? Now, if you just listen to the show for the first time, you don't know who Roy Radin is. Roy Radin was a guy with a you know background of <laughs> some pretty shady stuff, a coke dealer, you know, a Satanist uh, involved in the son of Sam cult, and he was murdered uh, by uh, uh, Larry Flint's bodyguards, you know, by Bill Menser and this guy Marty, these real characters, um, and and they even left a Bible there at the scene of the murder, you know, open to a certain page. I forget what it was exactly. So and Sherman Hemsley traveled with that roadshow. Now that roadshow was kind of a scam in itself, because uh, what they would do is they had like a, a phone bank and they would call around and they would say, "Yeah, we work with the Police Benevolent Association. We want you to buy tickets and we want you to sponsor our roadshow, right?" And so they call up businesses and say, "We want you to sponsor our show. We're coming to your town. You know, we're, we're the Police Benevolent Association." And they did have cops associated with them. The cops would show up to these after parties where they had strippers and stuff like that. And I know a lot of this firsthand because my ex girlfriend, her one of her best friends, was like 15 years old when she was a stripper for this road show with uh, Tiny Tim. Okay, that's how Tiny Tim wound up at my friend's uh, wedding, performing at my friend's wedding. Because he knew this girl, and then this girl brought her over. Uh, my my girlfriend, she was only sixteen when she was getting married, so her friend was like fifteen when she was dancing with Tiny Tim, and it's uh, Roy Raiden Rocha. But what they would do is, they would call around when they would go into a new town. They'd call. All the businesses, restaurants, and say, "Hey, do you want to sponsor our road show? Do you want to buy some tickets?" And if they said, yeah, okay, fine, hey, we'll deliver the tickets. We'll come down. We'll bring Sherman Hemsley with us or whatever, one of these people. Uh, and uh, you take pictures with them. You put up the picture in your restaurant. We'll buy the tickets. Everybody would be happy. If they didn't buy the tickets, they would show up anyway. <laughs> they would show up anyway and say, hey, here we are with the tickets. We're here to take some pictures with you. And sometimes they would you know, get bullied into kind of buying the tickets or whatever. But sometimes it would say, well, no, we told you, you know, no, thank you. We didn't want these tickets. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll leave. Okay. Well, we'll see you next year when we come back to town. And they'd leave and suddenly that night their windows would be broken. <laughs> you know? And they call the cops, you know, and the cops would say, well, you know, maybe you should have bought those tickets. <laughs> you know? And so the next year they go back to town and they would buy the tickets. So that was the Roy Raiden Roadshow, which was kind of a, a shakedown uh, blackmail scheme as well with strippers, underage strippers, and all kind of stuff going on there. So that's the kind of connection to Mr. Ed. And like I said, you know, uh, since my name was Ed, I've been tortured with this whole Mr. Ed thing my whole life. Teachers calling me Mr. Ed. Everybody makes a joke. Oh, Mr. Ed. Hey, Mr. Ed. Big, big joke, you know. And I enjoy that joke. <laughs> as you can tell, I love that kind of joke. Um, very interesting. You know, Mae West was on Mr. Ed. And she did a, a, an appearance on there. And so did Clint Eastwood was on Mr. Ed. 
he did an appearance on there. Clint Eastwood before he was a big star, but Mae West was a big star. And it was very, you know, bizarre little TV show. It was on for several years. And one of the things that always struck me about this thing was that the uh, in the later years, because you know when it, when it was on, you know, it would be on like after I came home from school. I remember we, they had like uh, the Three Stooges and Abbott and Costello, and one of the shows that was on was Mister Ed and Superman. And even though as a little kid, and you know I paid special attention to this show because my name was Ed, and I heard about it constantly, all these jokes. But one of the things that drove me nuts was this guy, Wilbur. Toward the end of the series, his father-in-law moved into his house. And Wilbur was so afraid of his father-in-law that he would kiss his butt and he would shake in his boots whenever the father-in-law walked. And, father, and he was always like hiding from the father-in-law and making up excuses to impress the father-in-law. And I, I thought, what the? Wilbur, this is your house. Kick the old man out of the house. What the father-in-law? Kick him out. What do you, what, you know, what? Grow some balls, Wilbur. <laughs> you know? Anyway. The reason why I'm telling you about Mr. Ed, <laughs> okay, is um because there's been some big news this week. But no one's talking about it. And I can almost promise you, you haven't heard this. <laughs> okay? And it's not about Wilbur Mills, Mr. Ed's owner. It's about Wilbur Ross. Wilbur. Wilbur Ross. The, the, the Commerce Secretary appointed by President Mr. Trump. Okay? And I'm going to give you some information and some background on Mr. Wilbur Ross, who was appointed Commerce Secretary. And you'd think this would be front page news. In any other presidency in my lifetime, this Wilbur Ross story by itself, if there wasn't an FBI investigation of the president, if there wasn't, you know, Korea going on and riots going on in, in Israel, all this stuff in Palestine, if, if all this wasn't going on, that this chaos presidency that we have right here right now, with all this uh, Manafort, the, the campaign manager being under arrest, and the, the, the National Intelligence Agency being under arrest, all uh, Flynn, all this stuff wasn't going on, the story of Wilbur Ross would be front page news. It would be a 24-hour news story. If all the rest of this of Amorosa, <laughs> Amorosa, an, uh, an apprentice contestant, a game show contestant, somehow gets a job working at the White House, and she's trying to break into the 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 the, the, the West Wing where the the residents portion of the White House is so she can complain about getting fired by a general who's chief of staff. Mike, you couldn't make this up. But Wilbur Ross, that's who we want to talk about tonight, right after these messages. Wilbur Ross. And now a word from our sponsors. Archival Revival, the Christian Film Archive, is currently paying for vintage Christian films. 
They are dedicated to preserving and restoring classic Christian films and media. So if you have original prints, negatives, or other film elements of classic Christian films, or you have audio recording masters for classic Christian record albums, they want to buy them from you. So email archival.revival at gmail.com, and they're going to make you an offer. Archival Revival wants to preserve these classic Christian films so that they continue saving people for years. These films have brought people to salvation. They want to continue that. Their staff has decades of experience in handling and preserving of film elements, utilize the very best climate-controlled film storage facilities around the world. Contact them today at archival.revival at gmail.com. If there's someone you know has these prints, negatives, recording masters, or other materials from vintage Christian films, you can check out their blog at archivalrevival.blogspot.com. Now, just so you understand, Archival Revival wants to pay you for these films. So you can look in your church attic, in the church basement. If you have a friend who runs a Christian youth ministry, this youth vacation Bible study camp, they have these old films in those big metal containers, 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter. Archival Revival wants to buy them from you. So this is a sponsor that actually wants to give you money. And all you have to do is contact them, tell them what you have. If you're in the UK or Ireland or Africa, uh, these films are all over the world and they're gathering dust and they're going to deteriorate if they don't get into the hands of Archival Revival. So that's archival.revival at gmail.com or the blog spot is archivalrevival.blogspot.com. Don't forget, this show is brought to you by PSCoco.com. Phoebe Saad is an independent curator with the Cocoa Exchange. The Cocoa Exchange is formerly known as Dove Chocolate Discoveries, and they make the finest silky smooth chocolate because the products start with the best cocoa beans, which are tested for quality and flavor by expert technicians. The Cocoa Exchange offers not just premium chocolates, but anything from sauces and spices to brownie and cake mixes and even coffee and martini mixes. If you wish to treat yourself or someone you love to a sweet and tasty gift, then the Cocoa Exchange is the brand for you. So you go to PSCocoa.com, you click on the Shop Now button, you can see all their beautiful chocolates, you can order it right now tonight, it could be in your mailbox in a couple of days, or if you want to get into the chocolate business, you want to be a, a chocolatier just like Phoebe Saad, click the Contact Us button, and you can learn how to get your own website, go into the Cocoa Chocolate Business, and sell chocolate and make a little bit of money there. Remember, all these shows on Awake are brought to you by EmailRevealer.com. You can go to EmailRevealer.com and get a copy of my book, How to Become a Successful Private Investigator. But you also do all kinds of different services for you. An online dating service investigation is called an online infidelity investigation. And that's where you give us your husband or your boyfriend, your girlfriend's email address, and we trace it back to their online dating websites. And we return a list of all the dating sites that that email is registered to. We can expand on that investigation and trace it back to porn sites, escort service sites, swinger sites, gambling websites, and even prescription drug websites. If you think your ex-husband or something is addicted to prescription medication or involved in an extreme online pornography addiction, we can produce a report for you that you can use in court. Adoption investigations. If you want to locate your birth parents or your, or your birth child you gave away for adoption, we can do, do adoption investigations for you. Asset searches for you. Locate bank accounts, hidden assets, hidden properties, hidden income, all different kinds of services in the asset search investigation. Email tracing. If you need to locate or identify somebody from just an email address, we can do an email trace investigation for you and all kinds of digital forensics, computer and cell phone digital forensics, where we can recover deleted content from an email or a hard drive and produce a report for you that you can use in court. 
That's emailrevealer.com, or you can contact me at oppermaninvestigations at gmail.com. Okay, welcome back to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator, Ed Opperman. Okay, we're talking about Wilbur Ross. Not Mr. Ed's Wilbur. Wilbur. We're talking about Wilbur Ross. Fascinating guy. And we all know that President Mr. Trump um, was swooped or swept into office declaring that he was going to drain the swamp. And so who's he, who does he have at his right hand there at the Commerce Secretary to drain the swamp? Wilbur Ross. And good old Wilbur Ross, you know what he's known as? He's known as the king of bankruptcy. Okay? Because what he would do is, when these uh, companies were in bankruptcy, these big uh, um, steel manufacturing companies right, and stuff like that, he would go in there and buy these bankrupt companies while they're in the bankruptcy process and uh, they make a killing because all the creditors to these businesses, you know, they, they, they're willing to take peanuts, you know, they take pennies on the dollar. Okay. And so if you can offer them a little bit more than a bankruptcy court's going to have to, of course they can go for this deal. I'm a little familiar with this because that's how I built up my beeper company uh, by buying up Failing beeper companies and buying their accounts and taking advantage of this and firing all their employees and, you know, and, and taking over their, their business, you know, and then even some not even paying their creditors. <laughs> I wouldn't even pay their bills. I would negotiate it and not even pay them. Okay. Wilbur Ross. Interesting guy. Now, Wilbur Ross was appointed Commerce Sector, Secretary by Mr. Trump. Um, and Forbes magazine uh, had estimated that he was worth $2.5 billion, $2.5 billion. But when he filled out his financial disclosure forms in order to be appointed the Commerce Secretary of the United States of America by President Make America Great Again Trump, it turns out he was really only worth about $800 million. Oh, that's nothing, right? Chump change. <laughs> okay, but you know, you know, if you're claiming you got two and a half billion, you know, but you only got eight hundred million, you know, for people in that kind of ballpark, that's kind of you know, kind of you know. But then it turns out we find out that good old Mister Ross had made some errors <laughs> filling out his financial disclosure form, and he forgot. To mention that one of his businesses was a shipping company that involved Putin's son-in-law. <laughs> okay? Now, he forgot to mention that. Now, here he's got this business. He's in partnerships with Putin's, a Russian oligarch's son-in-law, the head of the KGB, and he forgot to put that on his disclosure form. Now, that, you can understand how that happens. That kind of thing happens. Now, by the way, first we want to take a look at this. Think of Rosneft. Go back and look at my shows about Rosneft uh, with uh, Stern and with Gilson. Um, it all makes sense when you look at Rosneft. Why would 
Trump appoint a guy with a shipping business involving Putin is because you got to ship that oil. Rostov is an oil privatization deal, uh, and it's a shady deal, and everybody involved around Trump is involved in this deal, including good old Wilbur Ross. Remember the movie with Daniel Day-Lewis, There Will Be Blood? And uh, Daniel Day-Lewis uh, discovered oil, you know, and he became got rich. He, he was down there digging that oil up himself with his own bare hands at first. And then he would go around and buy up oil rights from different towns. He said, I'm going to bring you bread. I'm going to bring you a school. I'm going to bring a church to your town. And he would take over towns. He was the king of the town. Right? But there's that scene where he's with his deaf son and he's trying to buy milk and a steak and stuff like that in this little restaurant. And who comes in? The big oil guys. And what do they have that he doesn't have? They got the railroad. Because you got to transport that oil. And he could, even though, man, this guy was a king, he could take over this town, he could be the king. And he didn't have the railroad. So he could never compete with the guys who were in business with the railroads. The big guys. The big guys. And so Trump needs. Trump needs a guy with a transportation. He's the, the, the shipping company with the, the, with the Russian connection. Wilbur Ross. Now, good old Wilbur Ross, I'm sure what happened, he forgot to put this down on his financial disclosure form that he was dealing with the Russians. He was filling out the forms. He was sitting in his house there, right? And he was filling out the forms, and it was a knock at the door. Whoa, who's that? <laughs> okay, he goes to answer the door. And who is it? It's that little neighbor boy, Dennis, the neighborhood mischief maker, that little menace. And, he, and Wilbur Ross was distracted from filling out his financial disclosure forms, and he forgot to put that in there. He was just about to write it down, but Dennis had notified him that there was going to be a contest in town, a whistling contest, and Wilbur was off on an adventure with Dennis the Menace. That could have happened. When you got a name like Wilbur, <laughs> okay? All right? That's a possibility. We got we to explore that possibility, right, guys? It could have happened. Now, Wilbur Ross has some other issues going on. But besides, you know, we can blame that on Dennis. Okay? And I'm sure he put that in his form. It was Dennis's fault. You know, forgot to put that down. But there's some other stuff here, too. You know, he had some partners in his business. Part his business partners said they, he stole $48 million. Okay? Now, I want to add here a little, little comment here, you know. Wilbur Ross is alleged to have stolen $48 million. He also uh, uh, filled out a phony financial disclosure form. And the guy's still walking around with no problems. You know, me, on the other hand, you know, I, I, I did a little merger back in 2016 with my company. You know, a little, I don't talk about it much on the air, but we, we the little little business transaction. And I put down the wrong address. I used a P.O. box. <laughs> I used the wrong P.O. box that wasn't set up with the right corporation name. Uh, you know. And, and I'm facing all kinds of fines and stuff from this, okay? So there is there is uh, uh, ramifications, there's consequences for making these little mistakes in life. Okay, if you're me, <laughs> okay? You know, people, you know, listen, you guys don't know what I go through off the air, okay? You have no idea what I go through off the air. 
Okay, if I and if I really sat down and told you guys the kind of harassment I'm under and all kind of stuff, oh, no, a targeted individual, all kind of stuff, you know, if you want to go down through that song and dance, I could tell you some stories, okay? Man up and deal with it, okay? We're fighting a fight here. But Wilbur Ross gets away with this without a, uh, without a, a, a blink of an eye. The government of Ireland right now says that Wilbur Ross was conducted insider training with the Bank of Ireland that he knew all kinds of... By the way, supposedly, get this now, the Bank of Ireland had a flawed uh, auditing system. They had a flawed accounting system running the Bank of Ireland. Okay, and Wilbur Ross was on the board over there. Okay? And he had inside knowledge about this and he sold all his stock just before it came out public. So the, the the government of Ireland is pissed off at good old Wilbur Ross. Okay. Well, you know, this guy's got some problems going on here, right? But something tells me that good old Wilbur Ross has nothing to worry about. And let's take a look at Wilbur Ross's history and see what would make me think that this fine, uh, good old Wilbur Ross won't be having any problems. In the late 1970s, this is from Wikipedia, you know it's correct. In the late 1970s, Ross became began his 24-year career at the New York City office of Rothschild and Sons. Rothschild. <laughs> Wilbur Ross comes out of the Rothschilds. Take that, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Good old Wilbur Ross. Who would have thought when Mr. Trump is trying to drain the swamp, he brought in a Rothschild flunky to run the Commerce Department to be Secretary of Commerce. Man, it comes out of the Rothschilds. How do you like that? How do you like that? But people will still say that Mr. Trump's an outsider. Who is another one with connections to the Rothschilds? Is a his defender Berkowitz and uh, Dershowitz. Slip of the tongue. By the way, Berkowitz. By the way, is in the hospital right now. Having open heart surgery. But uh, Dershowitz uh, also. Uh, Talks about how he met Jeffrey Epstein, convicted uh, pedophile, at at a party at the Evelyn Rothschild home. Well, what do you know, man? Mr. Trump, the outsider, in bed with the Rothschilds. I invite you... To go here to um, Wilbur Ross's uh, Wikipedia page, and you can see about all the companies and businesses he he was uh, involved with. Uh, Bill Clinton on the board of the U.S. Russia Investment Fund. This guy he was involved with Judy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani. This guy, man, is up to his neck. The, the 
Paradise Papers. He's up to his neck in all this stuff, guys. Okay? So, please don't waste my time when you tell me that uh, President Mr. Trump is an outsider who is uh, fighting the New World Order and is on your side. Okay? You can't tell me through one side of your mouth that the, the Rothschilds are evil and stuff like that. And on the other side of your mouth, tell me that Mr. Trump appointed a Rothschild uh, stooge, a Clinton stooge, uh, into the Commerce Secretary position, which Commerce, by the way, is a real juiced up spot, you know, with a lot of bribes and payoffs going. I know this firsthand, okay, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, this is something I know firsthand with the when is these, uh, when we give government aid to an earthquake uh, zone or, or whatever, you know, when there's a catastrophe, there's a tragedy overseas, and we give this government aid, quote unquote, when they deliver that aid, the Commerce Secretary goes uh, to deliver that aid, and they bring with them captains of industry, their friends and stuff like that, to, to, to get that money back. <laughs> okay, so that aid money uh, gets spent with the Commerce Secretary's buddies. Okay, that's how that works. And look up Ron Brown, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And I did a show about that, too, as well, with Cashel, who was a right-wing guy. Jack Cashel, I like him very much. He's a good guy, but he's a right-winger. Coming up after this show tonight is Pierce Redmond. If you're listening to the show live Friday night on 12-15-2017, he has uh, Lee, uh, uh, F. Lee Bailey and Pat McKenna, the uh, private investigator. That's going to be a good show. I'm going to look forward to that myself. He, he says he's going to hook me up. I can get a hold of F. Lee Bailey. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to ask questions I want to ask him. I don't know. I deal with so many lawyers. You know, it can be a little burdensome. So, uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about tonight, about my fun week I had this week. A little behind-the-scenes uh, glimpse at what goes on at Opperman Report headquarters. You know, a lot of people think it's like the Beatles, you know, like we got William Ramsey and Living With Me and Pierce Redmond Living With Me, you know. And I love these guys. And by the way, too, well, I just want to make one comment out there to people listening on YouTube. YouTube is not the beginning and end of this show. YouTube is a, a simple archive format that we archive the shows along with 20 other archive formats. And for some reason, the people who visit YouTube have a fascination and they think that's in the whole beginning and the end. I guess because of some of these YouTubers who just have their whole show on YouTube. And they complain that I don't have a description and a title and all this kind of stuff. Like I do for my, like I, I wrote this title myself, Mr. Ed and Wilbur Ross, the source of Satan, of course, of course. <laughs> okay. I just wrote that tonight. I thought that up. It's clever. And I put that as the title and it's, and it'll automatically upload to YouTube and iHeart and Spreaker and iTunes with that title. Now, when William Ramsey and Pierce Redmond and these other guys and John, when they give me their shows, they don't send me a title. It's all done on the fly. I don't have all, all this. You know, I'm giving you their shows as a courtesy. I like these guys and I'm adding their shows to my channel. But you, they have their own channels, too. You can find these same shows on their channel. And they may have a title. I don't know if they have a title or not. I don't even know. Okay. So you can't get mad at me because I'm not, what do you want me to do? I don't even know. It's a live show. What do you want me to do? 
I'm uploading and I'm doing the best I can. You know, it's not the end of the world if, if you know. Like, people seem to be so concerned about how many people listen to the show. Enough people listen. Trust me. I get enough emails and comments and stuff all day long. And enough people listen. I'm happy. The advertisers are happy. Everybody's happy. We're adding more stations. I'm going on in Florida soon. AM station down there. I'm working on Seattle. A lot of stuff I'm going on. Relax. Relax. Everybody's so uptight and upset. I got this woman this week. You know... I gotta tell you, man. You know, this is crazy. <laughs> this craziness. I, I, I was on this radio station called Awake Radio, and it was a big station at the, in the UK. And I started on there a few years back. And there was a woman on there before me. Always had problems. She couldn't figure out her password. She couldn't out a broadcast. Couldn't figure out Skype. Always contacted me for help, and I helped her all I could. When uh, I took over Awake. There was a lot of scrambling going on. We had a lot of new hosts, and uh, we didn't have passwords and things like that. You know, so we were always contacting people. And I knew I had just helped this woman set up her password and be able to broadcast on one of our simulcast stations. So I contacted her and I says, "Hey, man, can you help me? You know, we, I know we just set you up over there. You must have that saved, right? Can you give us the password and the encoders and the logins so I can get all the hosts set up over there?" And she says, no, I'm, I don't want to be bothered. I'm not on awake anymore. I'm done with awake. I'm finished. I don't want to be bothered anymore. So we all said, okay. All right. We, we kicked her out of the, you know, the the awake message board. And we all talked about it. And I said, well, what a, what a bitch. You know, what, a, what the hell was that? How rude was that? We're all trying. We're working together. We're all helping each other. We're working hard, trying to get to salvage the station. The memory of a uh, Granada Steve, you know, his baby that he created. You know, putting up money out of our own pockets and devoting time rebuilding a website. You know, all this kind of work. And here's this woman doesn't even want to lift a finger to help us. You know, she comes back a couple of weeks later and says, "Well, I'm back. I'm not done with awake." <laughs> so okay, but, so we couldn't find anybody willing to produce her or help her at, at that point. No one wanted anything to do with her. Made her bed. Got to lie in it. Hey, so then she starts going to all these different people. Tell that Opperman this. Tell that Opperman that. Okay, fine. So I created an email and I says, listen, please leave me alone. Go your own. I got her a, a gig on another station that I'm on. Okay, that's not enough. You know, I don't mind helping people. I really don't mind helping people. I really don't. In fact, I enjoy helping people. Uh, but I'm not here to solve everybody's problems or, or adopt people or have people move in with me and become my, uh, I'm going to become your guardian. Okay. So... I finally got rid of this crazy woman for a couple of years. We're talking about 2016 this was going on. And there's a video on the old Awake station that got a copyright infringement, whatever happened. I don't know. Okay. And she wants it. It's it's suddenly become an emergency for her to have access to this video, to replay this video. 
right? I have nothing to do with that video. If you go to that channel, none of my videos are up on that channel. I have not one single show on that channel. If you email that channel, I, I don't see the emails. I have nothing to do with it. But this woman has contacted person after per host after host, producer after producer, all these people around me, begging them to bug me, asking me to solve her problem after all these years when I have nothing to do with her, I have nothing to do with that show, I have nothing to do with that channel. So finally I said, okay, look. Let me see if I just, you know, because what do you, what do you do? It's like having like a lost dog in the street. Like, what do you do? You got to do something. And even though she's, she's been heckling my, my YouTube channel, I had a block where she was heckling me on Facebook, you know, nasty comments, contacting my guests, annoying my guests, saying, oh, me and that opera are on the same station. I want to interview. Give me a break. So I said, let me get this MP3 over to this freaking nut. And I go, I go, I go to this YouTube channel, by the way, that I have nothing to do with. And I look at this stupid video and what do I see? What, what is the emergency that she wants me to deal with? That she's annoying 10 people to deal with her stupid video. And I look at this video and it was uploaded in 2004. And there's 244 views. <laughs> if you look at the... That's five views a month. And she's annoying this week. Like what? 15 people about this stupid video. That over four years, five people a month have listened to. And now it's an emergency. It's an urgency to this. And by the way, when you look at these analytics, okay... If you got a video with, with five, 250 views, you know, half of them, you know, they only listen for like five minutes and they're on to something else. So we're talking about, you know, like this is a, this couldn't be, you could to get in your car. If you want five people to listen to your show, you can get in your car and drive to Starbucks in the morning and play and play it over that <laughs> play it over the the, the the order speaker at Starbucks and everyone listen to the show there and you'll reach more people. You'll reach three or four people right there a day. <laughs> okay, and then you go to McDonald's later on, you go to Burger King. And at each one of these drive through uh, speakers, you will reach more people than five people a month. You got to give up at that point. Or, you know, you'd think if you saw you're only reaching five people a month. You'd think, well, you'd say, well, maybe what I'm doing isn't it has no value. Maybe I should stop doing it. Or maybe there's something else behind it. Maybe that this adjutant in my life specifically, but this adjutant in everybody else's life too, maybe. There's a reason that this adjutant exists in all of our lives, okay? And maybe it's not a good reason. Maybe there's a, uh, uh, an, uh, an agenda going on, a greater agenda that creates these people and inserts them into your life to cause havoc and harassment and defamation and slander and abuse and distraction. 
Is that possible? What's the logical conclusion in a situation like this? That some lunatic is doing a show that five people a month listen to over four years. For, for what reason? I can't imagine. Or they're here to, to cause trouble and be a nuisance and be a distraction from hardworking people. I've had serious hosts, serious producers, serious people doing serious work contact me about this lunatic this week, all in one day. So you tell me, ladies and gents, the show is over. <laughs> Okay, and I can go back to sleep and I'm done. Me and my egomania. Coming up next is Pierce Redmond. Porkins Policy Review. Uh, Pierce does great work. I love his work. I respect his work very much. And he has on tonight uh, F. Lee Bailey and Pat McKenna, private investigator. All right, guys, tomorrow I got uh, Lori Hanrahan coming up and taping a bunch of great stuff this week, too. I got a whole bunch of stuff lined up. And then after Christmas, you know, we'll be back in the grind. You know, it'll be easier to get guests and stuff then. Thank you so much. Good night. And coming up next is.